You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. A couple days early. Who's not done? Why are you here? Get out of here right now. Go home. Go do something. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know about you, but I know you probably feel the same way as me, but it's so great to have Pastor Nick back today and uh, Heidi and Sharon. Yeah. And, and on behalf of the whole staff, I just want to thank you guys all so much for really supporting them during this time. And it's going to be an ongoing process, but excited to have him here tomorrow night, Tuesday night, just sharing with us his heart for Christmas, and um, it's going to be a great time. So I want to encourage you to come out, invite someone. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Lance. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and this morning we want to continue the series we've been in in the month of December entitled Vintage Christmas. And what we've been doing this month is we've been looking at the origin of the original Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, And we've also been looking at our own personal experience as it relates to Christmas. And we've kind of been tying those two together and taking from our own personal experience and the birth of Christ and learning some lessons. So this morning, I want to take a few minutes um, in that vein and talk to you about why Christmas matters. Uh, For as long as I can remember, Christmas much like you, I'm sure, was always a really, really big deal in our family. Um, But I think my mom loved Christmas more than anyone else, right? Like, forget about mommy kissing Santa Claus under the mistletoe or whatever that song is. I just thought she was Mrs. Claus, right? Like, I thought that she had some connection uh, to him. And even when we didn't have a lot of money, and when we had a little bit more, my mom always made Christmas so, so very special. Um, and I remember that from being a three-year-old. I remember that being a 30-year-old, right? That all through all of those years, my mom and my dad, of course, made Christmas so special. And it wasn't just that, because sometimes there was a few of us. There was five. And believe it or not, some, some years there was 50 of us, like We've had holiday gatherings where there's 70 people in the house at one time. When you're the youngest of nine kids and those kids have kids, that has a tendency to happen. But Christmas has always been such a big deal in our family. So as I was thinking about Christmas, as I was preparing this message and trying to sum up what Christmas means to me, like in Lance O'Brien's world, what would be a vintage Christmas? One word really came to mind. And this was the word for my life, anticipation. Like when I thought about Christmas, it was always this thought of anticipation that Christmas was surrounded with mystery and surprise and wonder. Like that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year if it's a wonderful Christmas time. That's how Christmas felt for me and and still has up through the years. And I just love, I love That feeling of Christmas, the awe, the wonder, the anticipation. As a little kid, it began with making that list, 
right? Because that list was that one time a year where I didn't get told no in the store, right? Like, don't, no, you can't have that. But it was that one time a year where I could look through the flyers and I could pick out anything and at least put it on the list. I love the imagination that Christmas time brought and that sense of, I wonder if it will. I wonder if it won't. I loved traipsing out every year in upstate New York in usually two feet of snow. I didn't love that part. I did as a kid. But going and picking out the tree. What's it going to look like this year? And we had high ceilings in our house, so we would get these big, round, full trees. And it was always a sense of, what is it going to look like this year? And Christmas Eve, we would always await Santa's call as we were getting ready from church, which I learned later was my Uncle Mickey because Santa was really busy. But Mickey was great at disguising his voice. But then getting home from 11 p.m. mass, I did say 11 p.m., my parents were incredibly strategic, right? Let's take him to church at 11 o'clock at night. Let's get them home at midnight uh, and they will sleep. Eh, wrong, right? No, we, we got home and we were wide awake and there were so many of us, we would gather in one room and we would talk about what the next morning would bring and we would giggle and there was just that, do you remember those times? Like that just, I can't sleep because tomorrow's Christmas. Anticipation. Finally, the room would grow quiet and we would nod off. And it seemed like a flash. We'd be up again doing this. Anybody else do that when they were a kid? That was the alarm clock on Christmas morning. Bang, 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 bang. My dad, in his infinite wisdom, put in floor vents at one point in time. And we got to move away from this to, hey, it's time to get up, right? Like we, we put our face right down on that grade and we're like, it's time to get up. Because we had such an anticipation, such an expectation such an excitement of what Christmas morning was gonna bring. Then we'd have to go sit at the top of the stairs. We couldn't come downstairs. We had to sit at the top of the stairs. What's taking so long? We're making coffee, which I didn't understand why they were making coffee back then, but I understand now, right? Uh, like you can't do Christmas morning without coffee. I thought I'd get one big amen there, but uh, yes, exactly. Then the video camera would come out, and we'd all come traipsing, and we, as we got older, we'd be like this, because, you know, we don't want to be. But, but we had this vintage Christmas that was all kind of surrounded around anticipation. And as we marched into the living room, I can remember especially as a kid just looking at that tree, and your eyes would get as big as saucers. Like, like man, and, and I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought is, I hope that big one is for me, right? Like, uh, like, just because bigger had to be a better present, but there was that sense of just anticipation, smiles, excitement, wonder. My dad, with his Santa hat on, would begin passing out the presents one by one, and just again, the anticipation of waiting, is that one going to be mine? Now, 
you have to understand in our house, and this was my favorite tradition growing up, I shared that with someone this morning, we weren't allowed to just tear into our presence. Like when they were passed out, it just wasn't. We were allowed to feel them, shake them, smell them. Right, because gift guessing is an art form, right? Like, we could do all of that, but when we were done, we had to stack them. Because in our house, we opened our presents one at a time, and we watched every person do it. I hated that when I was young. (laughs) The only thing I liked about it is we started youngest to oldest, right? And I was the youngest, so I liked that. I got the first crack at getting the first gift. But I really began to appreciate that as we got older. But man, Christmas has just always, for me, had such an anticipation, such a a feeling of wonder. And, and, And I got some great gifts over the years. I was thinking back and I got this secret seven gun. It was like a James Bond plastic Nerf gun thing. I don't remember, but it had like a Dakota ring. And I got this game called Shoots Away where you would drop these shoots into this spinning thing, which back then was really high tech. But, you know, it was amazing. My favorite Christmas gift, well, my second, I got a Yankees jacket one year. Wasn't expecting it. It wasn't, I know, sorry, sorry, sorry. But you know what made that gift so special? My dad picked it out because my dad never did any Christmas shopping. It's a funny story, actually. I'll just go down a rabbit hole real quick. But my dad always said to my mom, how do you spend so much money at Christmas time? So one year he had the great idea that he would go out and do the Christmas shopping with her. Anyone want to guess what was the most expensive Christmas that our family ever had? It was the year my dad went Christmas shopping and the year I got the Yankees jacket. And after that, he was like, have at it, hon. You're doing a great job. We appreciate what you're doing. But man, I got some great gifts over the year, but one particularly stood out. And I had to Google the year because I didn't remember how old I was, but it was 1995 and I was 14 years old. It was the year the Nintendo gaming system came out. And I'm a guy, and I like video games, right? And I just was, video games, and I wanted that so bad. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to happen. Because at 14, I was old enough to know, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I just, like, it was sold out everywhere, and the Santa's factory was all out, and they were just, it was all, like, How am I going to get this? And I kind of knew that it was a rough year and we couldn't really afford it. But it was my dream gift that year. It was my fairy tale gift. And, you know, I was like, I want it, but I don't think all my kids, the friends at school, I don't think it's going to happen. And that morning we went through our vintage Christmas routine, the video camera, the stacking, the feeling, the shaking, the smelling. Nothing in my pile looked remotely like a Nintendo box from my perspective. And one by one, we opened the gifts. No Nintendo. Next one, no Nintendo. Next one, no Nintendo. And they were still great gifts, and it was still a great morning, but I got to my last gift, and there was no Nintendo. And then my parents said, oh, we have one more thing for you to open up. And I was like, what? Squirrel, right? Woohoo! And it's this little box like this big. 
and I begin to open it. And I'm kind of excited, but I'm like, this is not a Nintendo. And I open it up, and in the box, there's a picture of a Nintendo. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a Nintendo, but it's a picture of a Nintendo. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, go into the bedroom. So... I ran into their bedroom faster than Santa circles the globe, baby, right? And there it was on the bed. It was a Nintendo, and I picked that thing up, and I'm not going to demonstrate because I'm almost 50 now, but man, I jumped, and I ran, and I did the little, I don't know what, I was so excited, and I dropped it. That's not true. I just thought I'd throw that in. (laughs) That would be a scarring story if that's what happened, right? But there it was, the gift that I really, really wanted that I didn't think was going to happen. And can I just tell you, I was like a kid on Christmas morning, literally. I was so excited And I remember the happiness and the joy of what I felt in that moment when the unexpected became reality. And maybe you're here this morning and as you think back over your life and you're reminiscing as I'm sharing about my vintage Christmas. Maybe you're thinking of that year and that one gift that you really, really, really wanted and it happened. Like when the impossible became possible, the joy and the exhilaration. I remember one year, our oldest daughter, every time she got a present, she stood up, screamed, ran up the stairs, and ran back down. It's like, it's really not that great, but in her mind, one year we bought our son a, a dirt bike, okay, for Christmas, and it wasn't a fancy dirt bike. It was probably the least fanciest dirt bike on the face of the planet, right? It had really wide tires and everything, but I still remember the whole day when he walked in the bedroom and saw it. You know what he said the whole day? It was so cute. I was talking to my wife about, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Like, that's all he said. He said, I can't believe this. That's what I love about Christmas. Those I can't believe it moments, that wonder, that mystery, that magic. I won't tell you about our youngest daughter in the year she worshiped Dora and we had to talk to her about idolatry, but that's another story. (laughs) But the wonder and the mystery and the magic. And listen, this right here, this is why Christmas matters. This is why Christmas is important because it reminds us that anything is possible. That's why Christmas is so important. It reminds us that the unexpected, the things we hope for, the things we desire, they can happen. And maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking, well, man, I wish that Christmas mattered for another reason. Well, Christmas matters because God in those moments can do the impossible. And maybe you're here today and you need that reminder because somewhere along the line, you've lost the wonder of Christmas. 
you've lost the magic, if you will. Not the bad magic, but you've lost the anticipation. The mystery. The possibility. But you know what? If you were being honest this morning, you haven't just lost the wonder of Christmas. You've lost the wonder of life. And as you look at your life, you don't sense that expectation, that possibility. Listen, for some of you, you don't live in a world of possibility anymore. Maybe you're here, you don't dream. You don't imagine. Somewhere along the line, that world of possibility has turned into a world of probability. Because over and over and over, life has taught you this is what's probably going to happen. And honestly, beyond that, it's not just this is what's probably. Some of you live in a world of this is probably what's not going to happen. And that sense of wonder, not just about life, but about living and and every day uh, going through what you have to do and being a a husband or a father or a mother, a wife, a child, a worker, you've lost the wonder. And you've come to the place not where you're thinking about possibilities, all you're seeing is impossibilities. Like life has a very negative lens. And your glass isn't half full. Your glass isn't half empty. Your glass is just empty. And the wonder. And the expectation. And the looking forward to. There seems to be nothing to look forward to. Can I just say that I'm really glad you're here today because there is more than what you're feeling or seeing right now. That there is a way to recapture the wonder, the possibility. And this morning, I just hope as we look at the Christmas story that you'll be reminded that Christmas does matter because it lets us see that anything is possible. In Luke chapter 1, we see this powerful truth in the very first Christmas. Let's pick it up in verse 26. The very first Christmas, the angel has come to Mary, verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee. The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. So in Luke, what we see is the principal players of Christmas, if you will, right? We got Joseph, who's a descendant of King David. He's royalty. He has a royal lineage. And then we have Mary, really a seemingly nondescript teenage girl who's a virgin that's been promised in marriage. It's the Christmas story, the Christmas couple. Verse 28, and when the angel entered her home, 
he greeted her and said, you are favored by the Lord. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, tell him, you are favored by the Lord. You are favored by the Lord. The angel came and said, you are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. So this really rivals coming through a chimney, doesn't it? Like, the angel disappears in the house. Twas the night before Christmas, kind of a deal going on, and he talks. And if I'm her, Right? Like it's one of those impossible moments. Here's Gabriel the angel talking to her. And he says, God is with you. It's an impossible moment. She's trying to figure out this visitation. She's trying to figure out this voice. And Gabriel senses her confusion or her fear, if you will. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. And here's that phrase again, right? You have found favor with God. The angel in that moment calms her nerves, but he's gonna unnerve her again. In verse 31, you will become pregnant. Give birth to a son. His name's gonna be Jesus. He will be a great man. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever. And his kingdom will never end. And as Gabriel's talking, if I'm married, this is what's going on. I'm excited, right? I'm going to have a son. Wait a minute. I'm going to have a son? But Joseph and I haven't. I'm going to have a son? But we haven't. And we're going to call him Joseph, right? After his daddy? And he's going to be Joseph's son. Imagine that interchange. Imagine if you're Mary getting that news. Son of the most high God. Son of God. The heir of David's throne. My son will be a king forever. Like think if you're sitting there. Teenager. Minding your own business. Whoom. Hey, you're favored. You're really favored. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a baby. That baby's not going to be any a normal baby. That baby's going to be God. And he's going to reign in the whole world forever and ever. And in case you didn't put two and two together and connect the dots, this is much harder than finding a Nintendo in 1995. 
Like, what's going on in this story? Much, much. I just thought I would take a minute and clear that up for you in case you were wondering which one was more difficult. This is so much more difficult. Like, Nintendo is a really small thing. I mean, think about it. Like a virgin getting pregnant while still being a virgin. I mean, that'll blow your mind, right? Like, that'll just blow your mind, but how about this? Humanity giving birth to divinity. Come again? Me, a teenage girl, giving birth to God. Listen, that's a pretty big deal. That seems pretty impossible to me. Like, just to put it into context, and I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but forget about Christmas and Cabbage Patch, right? Uh, forget about Tickle Me Elmo and the Wii and Apple earbuds. Uh, forget about anything you ever thought was difficult to get done on Christmas. Forget about the Christmas miracle you think you're putting under the tree in a couple days. This was impossible. This right here was incredibly difficult. Again, in the context of Christmas, this takes the cake, right? And the pie and the cookies and the Christmas ham. It takes it all just how difficult this was. And that's what Christmas is, isn't it? Christmas is the Son of God. Divinity, deity, putting on humanity. God's love in human form. God's love in the flesh. How did Mary respond to everything that was going on? Here's her response, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? How can this be? I'm a virgin. How can this happen? This is not possible. This is too difficult. I don't know any way or any how where this could ever take place. And listen, we could spend a ton of time this morning just building out how difficult this is, but I think we can all agree this is pretty impossible, right? A virgin giving birth while still being a virgin and humanity bringing forth divinity. This is impossible. And Gabriel, over the next few verses, I'm not going to read them all, but Gabriel, over the first ne next few verses, he just says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And then he uses this phrase, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible 
with God. And Mary says, how can this happen? How can this be? And Gabriel basically says, God, God, that's, that's how it happens. It's the powerful, mysterious, surprising, and wonderful work of God. And that really shouldn't be all that surprising. Right, because when the prophet Isaiah foretold the birth of Jesus in in Isaiah 9, he said this, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and they will call him what? Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. That first word, that first name given to Jesus, wonderful. All you soccer geeks are gonna love this. Nick, you're going to love this. The word wonderful there in Hebrew, the Hebrew word is literally Pele. It's Pele. Like now it all makes sense, right? Like Pele was wonderful. That name. And you will give him the name wonderful. You know what it literally means? And his name will be called Miraculous. And his name will be called Miraculous. And his name will be called Miraculous. You see, to look at the birth of Christ uh, as it happened in that first Christmas, as prophesied by Isaiah. Listen, creation, or Christmas reminds us uh, that it's important. And why it's as important is because God does the impossible. He does the extraordinary. Christmas is wrapped in the impossible. Christmas is birthed in the miraculous. It reminds us that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And I love Mary's response. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. Man, what an awesome response. I am, God, I'm your servant. I'm serving you. I'm trusting you. Let your words be true. Can you just hear the heart of Mary? Let everything you've said happen to me. No matter how impossible it seems, no matter how I feel, no matter how I've given up, I am your servant. Let these things happen. And maybe, just maybe, you're here this morning and you've lost the wonder of Christmas. Life has blurred why Christmas matters. Life has blurred why life matters. 
And I just want to remind you this morning, through my vintage Christmas, through the birth of Jesus Christ, why Christmas matters. Listen, Christmas matters because it reminds us that God does the impossible, that he does the unthinkable, that he does the things that are beyond our comprehension, the things that don't make any sense. And you know what? He shows up when we least expect it and usually when we need it most. That's what Christmas reminds us of that God shows up when we least expect it, but we need it so badly. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, greetings, favored one. I don't know about you, but I love that so much. Mary didn't deserve that greeting. You don't deserve that greeting. I don't deserve that greeting. But God in his infinite patience and love and compassion is like greetings, favored one. I love that. You know what I love? I love the heart of God for the people that he has created. I love the heart of God for you this morning and for my life. And maybe you've been asking this Christmas, right? Maybe you've been asking. You didn't realize you were asking it in conjunction with the Christmas story. But maybe you've been asking this Christmas what Mary asked that very first question. Christmas, how can this happen? How can this be? Maybe you're full of all kinds of questions this Christmas. Maybe it's something very specific, some situation, some circumstance, some relation, or maybe it's just life in general. Maybe you're just saying, how in the world can this be? It just all seems so impossible. How can this happen? How can this change? You know what? Your tagline, it's not how can this be because I'm a virgin. But you have a tagline. You are filling in the blank. How are you filling in the blank this Christmas? How can this be, God? I'm broke. I look at what everybody else has. I look at all their blessings. I know how hard this year's been. I know it's not gonna be what I want it to be. For my, how can this be? Maybe you're not broke, but you're broken. How can this be? I'm so broken, God. This has been the hardest year. Things happen that I never thought would happen. Life has taken so many turns, and you're here on Christmas, and you're like, how? How can I celebrate anything right now? How can this be, God? I'm grieving. I'm so sad about the people that won't be here to celebrate with me. How can this be? How can this be, God? I'm so alone. I live in a house full of people and I'm still so alone. 
How are you filling in the blank? How is Christmas impossible for you this year? How can this be? My health is failing. The doctor said this. The treatment's not working. How can this be? How can this be? My marriage is shattered. My most precious relationship feels like it's breaking. How can this be? My faith is shaken. God, it's not an issue of faith right now. It's an issue of doubt. How can this be? How can this be? I messed up so bad. If anybody knew what I did, how can this be? How could God ever forgive me? How could God ever love me? You see, we all have some Mary. How can this be? And you know what? Maybe life has gotten so bad for you that you've taken God and you've wrapped him up in one of your little boxes and you've stuffed him in a closet somewhere. You know what Christmas is about? Christmas is a reminder that God can do anything. That he can allow a virgin to give birth to a boy. And not just any boy, but the son of God. Christmas is about the impossibility. And you have to allow yourself uh, to give, let God come to you and say, I favor you, I love you, I care about you. And you gotta be willing to take God out of the box that you've shoved him in and the limitations that you have put on and the ways that you've said, this can't happen, this is impossible. This will never take. Listen, Christmas matters. Christmas matters because the original story reminds us that in impossibility, God shows up in love and does amazing, life changing things in the lives of the people that He cares about, in the lives of the people that He loves. And if that's you this morning and you've stopped dreaming and you're just waiting for Christmas to be over and you're inwardly a Grinch and you just don't care and it's not just Christmas, it's life. If that's you this morning, I've been there. Not your situation exactly, but I understand. Sometimes I still get there. God, what are you doing? God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you do this? But I'm so grateful that Christmas is real because it reminds me that I can't put God in some little box. 
that he is bigger than what I think and what I see and what I know, that God shows up when we least expect it and does the unexpected. Christmas reminds us that God is the God of the impossible. And sometimes we really need reminded of that. And as we come to the close of our service this morning, I just want to read two more verses of Scripture. But can I just tell you from the bottom of my heart, I really want this to be a vintage Christmas for you. A Christmas where seemingly from the depths of nowhere life can come. that God will restore the wonder. So before we read these verses, can we just stand together this morning? These two verses come from my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. My personal favorite chapter, Romans chapter 8. It's a chapter that's just filled with so much hope and so much possibility and so much of the goodness of God. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him and read these words graciously, lovingly, compassionately give us all these things. Can I just tell you that Christmas was the tip of the iceberg of the heart of God and what he's capable of doing. And all over this place, just for a moment, if we could just take a moment and close our eyes. As the band plays and as we stand here this morning, if you could ask God for one thing this Christmas, like if you could make a Christmas list to God. If you could put one thing. On that list. What would it be? I want you to think about that. Don't, and listen. Go big. It's Christmas. Go big. Ephesians says he can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Go big. If you could ask God for one thing in one situation, one relationship, one circumstance, if you could take God out of the box you wrapped him in, what would you ask him for? What's your one thing? Maybe it's health or healing. 
Maybe it's emotional hope. What, what are you asking God for? And we're going to pray in just a minute, but before we do, i got to tell you, this is not a wish. This is a prayer. And prayer is so much more powerful than wishes. What's your one thing you want to ask God for? Father, this morning, you see our hearts, you see our hurts, you see our needs, you see our wants, you see our doubts, you see our faith. this morning in this place we're just believing in vintage Christmas we just want to have enough faith to ask boldly in a God who can do the impossible and right now all across this room on the floor and in the balcony God we're raising up our one thing to you our relationship, our hurt, our pain, our sorrow, our grief, our hope, our dream, our expectation. God, we're lifting it up to you. And we're asking for your favor. We're asking for your goodness. God, we're asking you to do what you do, which is reach out when we need it most and we least expect it and do the impossible. God, I pray that faith would rise in our heart, that anticipation, Lord, that you would break the chains of negativity that just grab a hold of us. God, here's our one thing this morning. Here's our one thing this morning. Be our healer today, Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 